0: I am Alyssa.
1: And we are back with today's Yuletide episode of The Podcast Was On Fire. And it wasn't my fault. A read-along pod where we dig into the good, the great, and the mistletoe-strewn problematic of the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. I'm an old, long-time Dresden reader. And this is my very first time through. And together, we sit around as a family, (laughs) share our doubts, our enjoyment, our loves, our joys. And at the end of the day, we have our feats of strength around the pole (laughs) to celebrate the Dresden Files series and give you the good stuff. Oh my goodness gracious, I... I made a bit of a flashback from oh 30 days ago. <laughs> sitting in my old, my old studio back here in Southern California. How are you doing today, Ice? I'm doing all right. Been a long day. Uh-huh. I tell you what, I slept in an unfamiliar bed, a couch, in fact. I went and had a lunch beer, huh. ate some Chex Mix. Yeah, I mean, I'm exhausted. Sounds like a good day. Oh uh, yeah. No, in a good way, but I'm tired. Oof, ready for bed. <laughs> Just corpses and on corpses, or anything exciting, fun. Tired. Just, I I had a
0: case, and then where a guy had a grow house in a, in an apartment, which was impressive, and uh, then I
1: went and helped to train. What the fuck were a you guys
0: nerds doing to break that up? Well, they, there were no plants. They'd already harvested their plants, so.
1: Well, good. A job well done. Hashtag capitalism. Moving on. But we were impressed. We were impressed. I mean. It's all indoors nowadays, Liz. Why would an apartment be harder? So like <laughs> well, his, his neighbors had no idea he was doing it. That alone they just, is. They just thought he cleaned a lot. <laughs> really fresh, fresh scent. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Well, we are on the penultimate chunk of Proven Guilty Today. We are going to hustle through it a little more than normal just because... As I said, I am in an unfamiliar setting with an unfamiliar machine. Lissy is in an unfamiliar place, because why would anyone get familiar with NorCal? (laughs) But just because of the holidays, we appreciate your spirited acceptance of who we are and who we try to be. But barring anything further on that, if you could catch us up, I will dig right into chapter 37 of Proven Guilty.
0: All right. So we had a lot going on here. We have learned that... Well, Harry, as a new warden, got to see a kid get his head cut cut off for mind control magic. We ended up with Molly lying to Harry about being arrested, and he helped get boyfriend Nelson out of the clink. Let's see. And then we ascended on SplatterCon exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, where we had some baddies come disguised or yeah. I guess veiled as movie. I think hammered. hammered, maybe movie horror characters, and we learned that they were fetches. Harry had a sit-down chat with the summer lady and her knights asking for help with what's going on with the council and that war. And then let's see, we learned Charity has magic or had magic, and that was the conflict that she had with her daughter who had started showing magic. We end up heading to Pell's old theater where Lily and Fix assist our plucky quadrangle of heroes to get into the winter land of Fae. And they have arrived right at the heart of winter territory at Arctis Tor, and they've ventured across a big old span of land that had bones and just debris from human and other and creature death, yeah. human
1: and non-human deaths. Yeah, and it seems there had been an assault mm-hmm. on Arctus Tor as we get into the story here. And Harry obviously is confused because who would want to attack the heart of winter mm-hmm. and attack specifically Ma- um Mab, it's her fortress. So, certainly an intriguing situation as they head in here. They're they're going past all the bones that are snapping. It's definitely no bueno. And we know for a fact that there was someone with the use of Hellfire was involved. So, it's a little bit scary. Charity asks, who could have done this? And Harry doesn't answer, but continues to describe the creatures it looks like trolls were protecting a retreat and they cleverly use that information to find a way in to the fortress right they basically follow if they're protecting a retreat follow the path of bones and they get to presumably a doorway or an entryway and as they're creeping up on the entrance that was the distraction the fetches need to have Knee <clears throat> dead up and they explode out of the bones and attack. And this is cool because we've just described how the presumably the person or persons unknown who are the goal of the attack on Arctus Tor escaped into back into the inner courtyard of Arctus Tor. But this is also how our heroes are going to do it, right? They're fighting with their backs to the retreat as well, and they fight backwards towards it as the fetches come get him. Um i just thought that was a cool
0: using what you got
1: well it's like poetry it rhymes an overwhelming force pushing back another group (laughs) sorry he does really cool magic we've never seen where he checks on a body and he has such a an intense interaction with it probably because of where he's at (laughs) so creatures of winter have extra power but he gets that kind of vision of after death that you get you can get from a dead creature you get their last kind of their last impression on the world which i thought was kind of cool very something we hadn't seen before right and they get to this black ice the
0: other thing that was interesting to me was thomas has asked how they i believe it was thomas or charity asked how they died and he said they were burned burned to the bone and thomas said asked him if he could do that and he said no not even with hellfire. But we remembered that there was a smell of hellfire when they came on to the courtyard
1: or came yeah, to the gates, I
0: mean, which was, was interesting. interesting.
1: So it was this power beyond the hellfire then, according to himself at least. Or why couldn't he make that happen? He described it because he was at the heart of winter. Yeah. So for potentially a combination of winter and hellfire could do it. Maybe or right, summer and hellfire. Well, summer absolutely
2: not, right? oh, Because
1: it, this is the,
0: this is the hard hard heart of winter. winter. Yeah, but yeah, it, I mean that it's an interesting thing to think
1: about, which is never resolved. <laughs> yeah, no, that's something to think about, though. Definitely putting the in the l- book for later, because presumably at some point they'll figure this stuff out. I'll tell you right yeah. now. Presumably, at some as someone who's read the books, presumably at some.
2: Presumably at some point they figure this out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Certainly haven't spelled it out, at least. I think I have some ideas. <laughs> Maybe we'll get to that. We head up the tower, and as we get in there, the fetches are starting to attack. It's a cool description of the fetches where in the real world, it's basically this is hammer hands. Yeah. Here, in part because we're in fairy and also I obviously the the stuff the that they rubbed on their eyes yeah. certainly is a part of this, but I wonder if it's all—if that's the entirety of it, or if they're closer to their power base, so they show more as who they are really behind. Maybe. But there's just these weird shadowy veils that they're wearing over them, basically.
0: It's like superimposed, is kind of how I saw it. Yeah, and we, as, cool. we get,
1: as we get closer to this tower, we hear Molly screaming and fighting kind of up the stairs which is always tricky but they get inside and they get up to a a door that's just slammed shut it's basically you know all ice and fairy nonsense and they can't get through it with magic they don't have a key or anything like that so charity gets out her big ass bobby baratheon style warhammer smashes it into the door and there's a cool sound ringing out, which I love the cinematic kind of like that T- kind of sound that you get when like magic breaking magic sounds. You know, if that makes sense in your head. <laughs> yes, it does. Magic, totally. The magic making magic, magic breaking magic sound as they smash through this ice door, uh, probably some version of fairy metal mixed into. But it's just because of the steel, mm-hmm. the cold iron in the steel, it smashes through it and we get into some sort of garden. It's the weirdest fucking garden in the history of gardens. Uh, yes. Which makes sense. But there are people frozen in ice. There is a man we recognize as the old, the former. Turns out current winter night <laughs> is chained up, crucified to a tree. And begging, begging for Harry to end things. There's some frozen... Fae, there's some frozen, seem to be human humanoid creatures, different stuff going on. And it's a very weird place to be. <laughs> we also see Molly chained up at the bottom of a tree in there, and as they creep up to try to release her, a deep voice lets out a rasping chuckle, which I like, and from the darkness that he couldn't quite see into, at the kind of perimeter. Of the garden here, the scarecrow appeared. And I like the distinction that he appears as the scarecrow, not as a fetch in a scarecrow. What'd you call it? Veil? Superimposition. Uh, Superimposed veil situation, right? Or or a glamour. It is the scarecrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I like that Harry says, Hi, who the hell are you? <laughs> one who has served the Queen of Air and darkness since before your kind can remember one who has destroyed hundreds like you. <laughs> Harry says he's not the give me the girl, or what follows? And channeling Bill Bill Shakespeare, bloody constraint for should you try to hide the girl from me, even in your heart. There shall I rake for her. Maybe the scarecrow wasn't a Shakespeare guy. Its eyes flared with angry scarlet light. Little man, move an inch closer and I will crush her soft little neck. Henry tells him that's inadvisable because she's keeping him alive. She's the hostage. He's contacted the council. You're in trouble. We got lots of guys coming down here. Um, you're
0: in chapter 38, by the way. Am I?
1: Yeah, Charity clears the door
0: with the hammer.
1: Oh, with the hammer. Well, you know what? I liked that part, so I stole it from you. Just keep going.
0: You can just keep nope. going. I'll, I'll do thirty-nine and 40 then. That works. Okay.
1: <laughs> you know, technical difficulties when you're on your phone screen instead of a screen screen because you don't have the tools at your disposal. But either way, we'll continue from there. And basically, he's bluffing, obviously, about the council coming to help, but he does have help. And as he tells him, you know, you know what your problem is? You underestimate people. And from behind charity slices off one of his arms. In particular, it was the arm wrapped around her daughter's little neck. And as he freaks out, this is another cool spur of the moment, magical decision as much mm-hmm. as spell by Harry, where he does a quick force, right? But he doesn't do a forza right? Blast. He just gently, well, as gently as he can anyway, he does flip her out of the way, but he flips Molly, ass over tea kettle, out of the way of this incoming strike by the Scarecrow, which is just such, really cool to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, Harry's, Harry's ingenuity in the moment here. And as he does that, he blasts a fuego, and it didn't. It fuegoed, but it didn't fuego if you know what I mean. And as it gets in there, he decides he's going to use, he, he already had his follow-up ready, basically. If the fire gets all over him, he was going to forzare into his chest, I think, and try to explode him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But since the fire didn't work, he forzari into the ground to kind of fuck up his balance and throw him off and explode him. Like a mortar round, as he called it, which I like. Charity gets into it. I like, again, she charges at the Scarecrow. Wang in and slapping with a knife and trying to, to cut it down. Molly is obviously still imperiled here, and Harry, with his chivalrous thing, he runs in, ditches his blasting rod, which is a move, <laughs> <laughs> but he uses his staff in this case and launches up to physically assault the Scarecrow. So, I mean, he's not quite, you know, not quite his special place, not his wheelhouse, if you will, but what this did was give Charity enough time to get back up, and between the two of them, they could keep her away, keep Molly safe. You know, the Scarecrow causes problems for him, obviously, because he's a giant, monstrous, powerful fairy at the heart of his power. (laughs) And he eventually catches up, you know, gets, gets Molly back under his grasp and tells Charity, not long now, there's nothing you can do to help her, mortal woman. Nothing you can do to stop me and Harry realizes that that's true and it's awful but then he thinks about it the fetches get their power from fear and he had none he was just too tired to feel any. he kind of put together the rest of his interactions with them and it's right after he launched the spell web and he was so exhausted he was too tired to be scared of the xenomorph And so that's why he was quipping so much and messing around, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he didn't have any fear of the alien creature in the hallway, so he was able to defeat it. And then the other moments, he was just scared that he wasn't able to, going to be successful. And so he realizes here, he doesn't need to be afraid. He also recognizes that, that butterfly that escorted them down here is actually Lily's, a piece of, Lily's Summer Fire. And he recognizes that she's a manipulative, deceitful, wonderful girl here <laughs> I love that. For the first time, but not the last time in this <laughs> novel. He basically kind of accepts the power a little bit. And there's just this sunlight, this like, you know, like a hallelujah, without the hallelujah. But that moment, you know, where they light up and, you know, and the world is just different now than it was a moment ago. Harry is kind of, illuminated by this summer fire sunlight as he calls it, is spilling from him mm-hmm. the fetch doesn't think it, it, it's not possible and he says something here that i'm hoping you knew the reference to hmm. but where, where he says you like movie villains do you have you seen this one how about a little fire scarecrow is that from the movie with the scarecrow i forget what it's called i don't uh, know Or do you know what that reference is to? I don't know what the reference is. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So I did two chapters there, as we mentioned mid-chapter here. (laughs) I'm probably not going to edit anything out this time, much less that, because I don't have my editing tools. So Glissy's going to pick up the next chapters. Ready, set, go.
0: All right. So the garcor lets out an ear-splitting, trilling chirp like a summer locust on steroids, and it bounded to one side in an effort to keep the mounded ice of fountain between us. And Harry blows fire at the fountain because he knew he couldn't outmaneuver or outspeed the fetch. The golden summer flame hammered straight straight through the ice and into the scarecrow. The fetch was taken off guard and the lance of fire incinerated what would have been a hip and thigh on a human being. So he bounces down and is flopping around. But the scarecrow wasn't the only fairy who cried out. Without warning, a hurricane of sound slammed into me painfully intense. The other fetches in the courtyard were screaming and in a a frenzied chorus of berserk rage. This is throwing everybody around because it's a law of sound. It throws Harry into a frozen rose bush, but his enchanted duster protects most of him from it. But in that second, the scarecrow had reversed its course with eerie agility. It headed for Charity and Molly, running on all three of its limbs like a wounded spider, awkward, but still swift. This time, I couldn't afford to take my time about lining up the shot. I flicked a flash of fire between Scarecrow and the Carpenter Woman, but it sidestepped and I only burned a few loose end tendrils from its vine body. So the Scarecrow throws itself at Molly, and Charity is laying still. Only until the Scarecrow comes within reach of her. Then Charity rolled and popped up into a low, slashing lunge. Her sword seared its way through the Scarecrow's undamaged leg, slicing it off at an angle that began at mid-thigh and finished just above the knee, It frantically rolled again, struggling to get out of sword range. Charity pressed ruthlessly, too close to the damned fetch to let me blast it again. The scarecrow hopped and skittered on its remaining limbs, heading for the edge of the parapet. Charity! I shouted. Down! Michael's wife dropped out of my line of fire in an instant. The fetch shimmered, body contorting weirdly, and leapt. On the way, it changed. Membranous wings unfurled from its body and beat down and beat powerfully down and within a heartbeat of the rest of the Fetch's body had conformed into the shape of one of those monstrous hang-glider-sized bats I'd seen in fairy once before. It hurtled away, wings thrashing to gain altitude, and the fairy moon shone down in a lunatic glee. I had a perfect shot. Once more, I called upon the fire of summer I'd taken in. I could feel its intensity beginning to ebb, but if the fetch managed to slip away, I might never have such an opportunity again. Besides, that creature had tormented my friend's wife and daughter, nearly murdered them right in front of my eyes, and now it was going to answer it. It was going to answer for it. So I unleashed the fire again, and this time so brilliant that it lit dark mountainsides five or ten miles away, so hot that the blowing snow hissed into an instant steam in the wake of the flame. When it struck the fetch, it detonated into a blinding conflagration, an explosion that roared so loudly that it shattered every icy replica of a rose vine upon the parapet. So he burned it in midair. And Harry... (laughs) I shook my staff at the rock side in a primal gesture of triumph and shouted, "'Who's next?' The courtyard below became completely silent for a second, and then I could see fetches too dark to make out, clearly darting away from the base of the spire, retreating from the fight. And then Charity is in a bit of a predicament. She had been in a baseball player slide, and because of all the fire... There was a thin layer of melt ice, of melt water on the ice. And so she's sliding slowly towards the parapet's edge. And Harry thinks he's going to run over to save her and then realizes it would only duplicate what was happening with Charity. So he got on all fours and crawled over and she grabbed onto his staff to pull her in. And the black ice rehardens and Charity is. Not going to fly off. Molly is still breathing and alive. Charity went to her daughter and shared a moment with her. I watched and kept an eye out for trouble. Charity knelt down beside the young woman and gathered her into her arms as she might have a small child. Charity held Molly against herself and rocked gently, her lips murmuring murmuring steadily as she did so. For a moment, I thought that the terror and trauma had driven Molly too far to re- far away to return. But then she shuddered, blinked her eyes open, and began to weep quietly, leaning against her mother. And then the crucified man, who we learn is the former winter knight, no, is...
1: No, hmm? he's the
0: well, he's still technically the winter knight, but he is crucified to a tree. And... Not, do, not doing a lot of nighting, Not doing a lot of nighting at all. And he... That is when he realized it's Lloyd Slate, the winter night. The last time he'd seen Slate was the battle above Chicago. He said Slate had been a 1st rank menace to society. A drug addict, a rapist, a man with no compunctions about indulging himself at the expense of others. This man is obviously blinded and he asks who was there. And Dresden replies, he says, you're here, thank God you're here, I've been here so long. He exposes one side of his neck and asks Harry to free him, to kill him. He breathes, kill me, kill me, kill me. Thank God, Dresden, kill me. The seedier neighborhoods of my soul would have been happy to oblige him. But some dark, hard part of me wanted to see what else I could think of to make him suffer more. Somewhere to his side, he hears a voice. You do not understand his true torment. And in the frozen fountain is a member of the she, a tall, inhumanly lovely woman her appearance one of nigh perfection. Or it would have been, though, in other circumstances. She stood calmly, one leg, her head, one shoulder, and one arm emerging from the ice. There was an eerie serenity to her, as though she felt no discomfort, physical or otherwise, at the imprisonment. She seemed to regard the entire matter with amused tolerance, as though such trivial conditions were hardly worthy of her attention. She was one of the oldest and most powerful she in the Winter Court, the Liang she, and she was also my godmother. Leah, oh I breathed quietly. Hell spells. What happened to you, Mad. Last Halloween, she said you'd been imprisoned. She kept you here. Is that it? Obviously, you do not understand his true torment. Uh, what? It's late. There is pain, of course, but anyone can fl- inflict pain. Accidents inflict pain. Pain is the natural order of the universe, and so it is hardly a tool met for the queen of air and darkness. She tortures him with kindness. She leaves him hung up like that, and then she comes and saves him from it. She heals his wounds and takes his pain. She restores his sight, and the first thing his eyes see is the face of she. "'She cares for him with her own hands, warms him, and then she takes him to her bower. "'Poor man. "'He knows that when he wakes, "'he will hang blind upon the tree again, "'and can do naught else but long for her return. "'You think he's going to fall for that? "'Fall in love with her? "'Love, perhaps, and perhaps not, but need. "'Oh, yes, you underestimate the simple things, my godchild. Over and over, spinning him through agony and ecstasy, the mortal mind breaks down. Not all at once, but slowly, the way water will wear down a stone. Mad is patient. She lives. He lives only so long as he resists. And he asks what happened to her. And she says, I grew too arrogant with the power I held. I thought I oh, could overcome what stalks us all. Foolish. Milady Queen Mad taught me the error of my ways. She is a little creepy. He says she looks like she fell out of the crazy tree and hit every branch on the way down. And then Thomas appears.
1: Delayed laugh to that. It's kind of funny.
0: (laughs) And we know Murphy's all right. And Thomas says we need to go now. Why? Something's coming. Something usually is. What do you mean? And we learn that the wild hunt is coming towards them. I think a lot of things are coming toward us. No sooner had he said it than I heard blended with a distant cry of the wind, a long, mournful, somehow hungry horn call. And he looks in the distance and sees fairies covered in weapons and armor. And another horn hang out another horn rang out only from the opposite side of things. From the mountains. Not roll. And then Harry looks at his godmother and says the power i used here that is what causes isn't it of course and thomas jumps out of his skin because you know the uh, statue, <laughs> the statue. and spoke and harry introduces thomas to leah and Le- begins to introduce leah to thomas and she says i know who he is i know what he is i know whose he is
2: <laughs>
0: and leah says that he summoned harry summoned forth the power of summer in in the heart of winter. When you did so, those of winter felt the agony of it. And now they come to slay you or drive you forth. Uh, how many of them? Why, all of winter, child. All of us. Charity, we're leaving! Charity <laughs> nods, and they get the hell out. And he asks Thomas, see if you can chop her out without hurting her. And Thomas asks, is that a good idea? This is, Isn't this the one who tried to turn you into a dog? A hound. Quite different. <laughs> She was a friend of mom's. So was my dad. And look how that turned out. Then give me the sword and I'll do it myself. I'm not leaving. Then Leah does this weird bestial kind of twitchy thing. And when she turns back to Harry, it is his godmother again in her eyes. And she says, child, you must not free me. I cannot yet be trusted. It is not time. I would not be able to fill my promise to your mother. You should, should you free me now? You must leave. Trusted? No time. I cannot long keep it from taking hold of. And then she twitched again, and the madness returns. Wait! I have considered. I've reconsidered. Free me. Then he and Thomas step back. Release me! What the going on here? Thomas asks. I'll get back to you. After we get out of Dodge. And so they head the hell out. The fountain refreezes itself, and they... Through the, the the ice of the the statues a tri- tr- um, trio of noble women, the light hits it, and the white marbles of its eyes was suddenly suffused with emerald green, the same color as Mab's eyes, not just the same color mab's eyes the statue winked at me, so he gets the fuck out of there with good reason, and he's using the small amount of power from. Lily's butterfly to keep them from, you know, hypothermia. I took the lead and ran for the rift as a nightmarish symphony of wails and horns and howls closed in all around us. Shielded by the good graces of summer, we fled Arctis Tor. And the weather is still shit, as it should be. They're in the heart of winter. And Thomas says, keep moving. Duh. Immediately behind me, Murphy panted. What was that about, Earl King? I told him, told her, big time bad guy wants to eat me. Why? Well, I met him. Ah. <laughs> even with her breather, even with her labored breathing, the non-word managed to be dry. Last October. Yeah, he thinks I insulted him. You're never mouthy, Harrod. Must have been someone who looks just like you. And so Molly, be- uh, sorry, Murphy begins to stumble, and Harry stops everyone and tells him to take off the armor and makes Harry. Sorry, it makes Thomas carry it because he's strong enough that it won't slow him down and we don't dare leave this much iron lying on the ground here. Would you want visitors leaving radioactive waste around behind them when they left your place? Good point, because we don't want them to get mad at us. (laughs) (laughs) The horns and wails and howls grow louder. Somehow, in the gale of snow and wind, we had slipped out of the noose of encircling. the encircling forces had formed around us. If we kept moving, we stood a real chance of getting away clean. This entire field trip isn't what we were meant to think it is, Harry tells Thomas. We've been used. What? How? Later. Now carry the damn armor. We don't want anything lying behind. Move. So they keep going. They're slogging through the snow. Time goes by. The snow is getting stronger. The summer fire is getting lower. Then Harry gets a whiff of stale popcorn. The rift shone in the air 30 yards up the, up the slope. Things, big shaggy things with white fur and long claws emerged from the snows behind us, running as lightly over the snow and ice as if it had been on a concrete sidewalk. He yells for Thomas and tells Murph and Charity to get the girl out. Charity and Murphy scoop up Molly, but before they leave, Charity draws her sword from her belt and thrusts us into the snow at Harry's feet and then gets the fuck out. I transferred my staff to my left hand and took the deadly iron in my right. The last bit of power Lily loaned me played out, and I didn't have enough magic left in me to light a candle, much less throw around fire or even use my shield. This was going to be about steel and speed and skill, now purely physical, which meant that I probably would have gotten myself killed quickly if Charity hadn't thought fast and armed me with iron. So it, it's they're sorted out that there's some kind of ogre, and they start fighting. Thomas jumps two steps, bounds into the air about ten feet off the snow, and comes down with his saber slicing through an ogre's breastbone, splitting him open like a steamed baked potato. Thomas wasn't done there. The next ogre threw a rock the size of a volleyball at him. He whirled and dodged it, faked to one side, and then cut across the second ogre's thigh, sending it howling to the ground. And then the third ogre hits him with a tree trunk that slams him into a rock behind them, just barely missing Harry. I'm not a terribly skilled swordsman. I mean, sure, more so than 99% of the people on the planet. but But among those who know anything about it, I don't rate well. And he goes on to tell us that he was his experiences in fencing. And Charity's sword is more of a Conan the Barbarian type of weapon. But he has two advantages as a, fe- as a fencer. First, he's quick for a guy his size, and he has long limbs, so he plays to his strengths. He <laughs> I let out a howl of my own to match the ogres, and when one with the club drew near and swept it up over his head in a wind-up, I lunged quick and low and drove about a foot of cold steel into its danglies. I twisted the blade and rolled out to one side as I withdrew it. The club came down on snow where I'd been. Fire fountained from the ogre's pelvic region. The ogre screamed and ran around in panicked agony. And the ogres coming behind it slowed their steps. Their charge faltering until the ogre keened and fell over into the snow. The fire of cold iron consuming it. They stared at their fallen comrade. And so Harry gets the fuck out of that particular battle situation. He goes over to Thomas, who is not all there. He needs Thomas to wake the fuck up as he's trying to talk Thomas into getting up because he can't use his left hand because it's weak. And if he switched the sword to his left hand, he wouldn't be able to defend them. And so as he's standing there shouting at Thomas, his shadow changes and a pinprick. The side flashes over his shoulder and flashes into his ogre. Summer fire slammed slammed the ogre to the ground before it could so much as scream and began to rip its flesh from its bones. And it was Fix. Fix came and saved the day. And they step back in past the rip in the wall of time, I guess. And they are back in Pell's dingy old theater. And Lily is looking weary and strained from keeping the rift open. And she closes it. All of the ice and snow that's on them turns into goo. and. Harry asks Fix, did you hear what ha- was happening out there? Kicked a beehive, it sounded like. The castle's garrison came out to meet you. No, that was every other winter fae on the map, apparently. What? I, uh, kind of threw a bunch of summer fire around Map's playhouse and blew up most of this frozen fountain thing. You what? The scarecrow was high behind this thing, so I, mm, kablooey. You poured summer fire into winter's well spring? I can't sleep well at night knowing I... Ha- I can't sleep well at night. I haven't inflicted... If I haven't inflicted a little property damage. Anyway, it did that and all hell broke loose. My godmother told me that anybody who was anybody in winter had gotten their vengeance and was coming on... Was- had gotten their vengeance on and was coming to kill me. My god. That would do it all right. Where did you get summer fire to... And he looks at Lily... I only provided a minor comfort and guide in order to repay my debt to Lady Charity. I had no way to know that the Wizard would steal that power for his own use. And now all of the forces are at the heart of, heart of Winter. Winter forces are at the heart of Winter, so Summer can help the Council. And Murphy asked. It only took him a few minutes to show up, but Fix lets them know. Fix and Lily let them know they were gone more than twenty-four hours. And she, start, she uses the word we, and Harriet figures it out. Maeve is working with you. That's why she showed up at McAnally so quickly. And Fix is surprised at this. You're working with Maeve? She couldn't have altered the flow of time at the heart of winter. Only one of the winter queens could do that. Maeve's working with you? Like us, she fares Mab's recent madness. I provided you with enough power to threaten the wellspring in the hope that you would draw some portion of winter back to its own depi- own demis- demis- is I don't know how to say that word. Once that was done, have altered the passage of time relative to the mortar realms. And Harry asks, what would happen, what if he hadn't used the fire and Lily, or her power, and Lily says "You would be dead, I suppose, and my friends with me. Even so, please understand the compulsion my queen has laid upon me permitted me few options. I could not make explanation of what I had in mind, nor could I simply stand by and do nothing while the council was in such desperate need. But now you can tell me about it? Now we are discussing history. Harry's, you know, realizing that she manipulated him and turned him into a weapon to use against Map. She hadn't lied, but she'd taken his life as a gamble. And worse, she'd done it with the lives of four of my friends. She had good intentions all the way down the line, I suppose, and she had faced limitations that my instincts told me I still did not fully appreciate or understand. But she hadn't dealt me with the head-on, open, and honest. But then, she was a fairy queen in her own right. He thanks her for his help, and she says, I haven't been as much of a friend to you and yours as you have been to me and mine, wizard. I am glad that I was able to lend you some help. And then she pieces out. And Murphy asks, what's next? And Harry says they have to get to holy ground. I don't think we're going to have any immediate fallout from this, but there's no sense in taking chances now. So they get back out, they get back there and for food and sleep in Fort Hill. And Harry kind of starts thinking about Molly and how she used her power to renovate someone's brain. And even though her intentions weren't bad, she is still stained because she used black magic. He'd saved her from the fairies, but now she faces an infinitely more dangerous threat. The White Council, the Wardens, the sword. And we all know it's only a matter of time before the Wardens and the White Council figure it out. And he kind of is perplexing or kind of going through whether if he brought her to the council, he could be responsible for her, for her death. But if he didn't, he'd be responsible for those she might, might harm. So it's very precarious. In Harry's world. And Thomas asks, Harry, remind me why we keep it- hurling ourselves into this kind of insanity. I traded a smile with Murphy and said nothing. We all three of us watched as Charity on the floor in front of the first row of seats clutched her daughter hard against her. Molly leaned against her with a child's gratefulness, le- need, and love. She spoke very quietly, never opening her eyes. Mama, Charity said nothing, but she hugged her daughter even more tightly. Oh, Thomas said, right.
1: Exactly right. They get back to uh church, the building, you know, the thing with the steeple, the doors, and the people. <laughs> Hope the door let all the people out or something of those sorts. There's a whole hand, there's a whole hand gesture routine to go with that gibberish that I was spouting a second ago. I digress. <laughs> Thomas was going to stay outside the church. And I love that Harry. Physically drags him inside the church. To... Right. You get to smell the roses with the rest of it. This is the triumph of our, the spoils of our triumph. You get to, you get to bask in. And it is the reunion of the family, the kids and the mom and Molly. You know, it's just gorgeous. There's food. Harry there references survival food. Nothing like it. There's an expression that hunger is a tasty sauce, I think hunger is the best sauce or something like that it's an expression Mm -hmm. and a variation on that one of my buddies from college jackson says all the time so i think the way he says it and he's the only person i've ever heard say it that way hunger is is the best dressing that's what he says um which is the idea that when you're hungry everything tastes better everything tastes so good yeah like you know how thomas brought up earlier in the series where when you're just thirsty from like a really hard moment, how yes. great the first touch of water is similar idea. But so he's eating the food, the survival food, and he starts to talk to Murphy about what's going to happen. And she says, which you know, really puts him off is I think I can stay out of jail because she was in charge of that investigation mm-hmm. for a moment. It's like, that's the thing she stepped up. Remember cast iron. She mm-hmm. stepped up when she didn't have to, and that's what got her in trouble. And, you know, Henry Rollins already said they're going to look to come after somebody for this, maybe her. Yeah. And then she put herself even further into it, selflessly, but in this case, it is going to kind of come back to get her. She's worried she's probably going to get demoted, lose some seniority, and she's going to lose SI, which is something that she was very proud to have worked for to improve and to keep Right. A lot of times they send yeah. somebody there specifically to get fired because of Lily's time shenanigans. She's been gone for a day. And so, I mean, it, it, you can't blame anybody for getting, you know, being a little curious about what she's getting up to. It does seem like a harsh punishment until you really think about how much trouble she's been over the last few years. And she hasn't actually been. But Rudolph has made it look as though she has been right. 100%. So, so you kind of see um, unreasonable. Yeah. You know, like the, the people, her bosses are always this shadowy IA is always coming after and stuff, but internal affairs. But yeah, in this case, it's like, you know, you were in charge of this big multiple murder investigation and you just dipped for a day. Like, like you know, like, what do you want us to do? What are we supposed to do here? Yeah. Um, Over the last couple of nights, I got real into old WWE, <laughs> um nay na- WWF clips and like, storylines and stuff because i'm sure that's what most people did last night i just couldn't (laughs) not not last night two nights ago but i just couldn't sleep and um what was about ken shamrock ken shamrock is one of the scariest motherfuckers to ever have lived he was a ufc guy back in the days when ufc wasn't like sort of like boxing right ufc now is like boxing different it's different but it's like they have gloves and they have regulations and grounds and a referee that cares about stuff what was that? Rules. Rules. Yeah, rules is kind of the big one. What they used to do <laughs> is put two motherfuckers in a cage, lock the cage, and say, Go <laughs> 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 till one guy was knocked out, dead, or tapping. And they didn't have rounds. You'd get like a tiny little guy and a big fucking guy. It was like actually like super cool. My buddy used to rent like UFC three and UFC four you know backwards, the gracies choking guys out with their their geese they used to, used to, like use your clothes as weapons and stuff to, yeah. you know i think it might not have been no nut shots but that might have just been courtesy <laughs> either way ken shamrock was a crossover you i got distracted ufc wrestling guy and they were like making a baby face push for him trying to make him famous and he was late a couple sh- to a couple shows and then he no-showed like a house show or something where he was supposed to be like the main event. And so they stopped pushing him. He just wasn't big after that. And he's like, now realistically, he probably also got into it with triple H or somebody, somebody powerful, but now he's like trying to get back in. Cause they're at bringing all these legends back. Cause nostalgia sells. Right. Mm-hmm. He like just reading some interviews with him where it's like, he can't get back into the game. And he, you know, it's like, he's a fringe hall of fame guy. And he kind of, he's fringe. Isn't but, he also like my age. <laughs> yeah. But when you don't show up for stuff, they, they're not people you know people don't love you lose people. your status yeah and that's kind of what happened with with the, Murphy Murphy and Ken Shamrock they both they both lost their seniority so she takes off or actually Thomas takes off and she hops in a car with him and they take a nap basically they all kind of the kids and Molly and Charity kind of fall asleep on each other basically Harry hops into a cot Nelson is still Nelson boyfriend Nelson's still in a cot and when Harry wakes up he sees Molly basically sneaking out the back door. And he goes and kind of catches up to her. He's like, hey, where are you going? He, she, you know, she says she's leaving because she doesn't want you know, to put her family in trouble. And he grabs her. And they have that, that magic tingle mm-hmm. that we've talked about in the past where two, two practitioners touch. And she like, basically didn't know he was going to figure it out. <laughs> he's, you know, he's an investigator. He figures these things out. What well, we do. What we do, and he you know, kind of just talks to her about what's going on. He, he says that you know, she, she's like, "How did you know?" Like, give me some credit, kid. Like, come on, seriously. But he basically sits her down and tells her, you know, he, you're, you're going to have some tough choices. And you know, he asks her when she started her magic, when it started to show, and she's just kind of like shut down still. So he tells her about his story, which is when he was in grade school, they were doing an Olympic day or whatever. And um, he was getting bullied, and he wanted to—he wanted to beat this asshole kid, basically. So, in the long jump, he runs and he—he ah! he yells as he jumps, he tries to get a little something extra, and he gets a lot extra. He breaks the state record, I think. Um, but he has this absurd jump, and he wins. And he was so proud; he finally won something. But it was such an absurd jump because he uses magic to kind of extend the jump there. And they giggle, and she starts to tell him. Than how her magic showed, and it was a day uh, like like one that we saw a few novels ago, where when Harry was hiding in the treehouse and she gets back, but she's not expecting to have to change in the treehouse because it's Aaron's day, so she gets in that she she starts to go through the house, and her mom comes through the the room, and she's in her gothy outfit that Harry saw her with a cut up skirt and the mesh and all this kind of leading up to what she looks like in you know, her, her standard attire nowadays as well. But she hadn't come home to change into her what she left to go to school outfit. And Charity just walks right by where she is in the living room because Molly wanted to disappear at that moment. And so what happened? Molly disappeared. She put a veil over herself. Charity didn't see her. She ran upstairs and got into her, her normal her normal quote unquote attire and Harry tells her, Hey, that's impressive. Like I can't do a veil that good. You <laughs> certainly couldn't do it then. And he's like, I bet you got a I got bet you got a hell of a headache. Yeah, just kind of being the mentor here, like showing her that everything you've been through, man, like I've been through. Let's work through it. Mm-hmm. And um starts to go into what's actually going on here in that you committed a crime. I mean you really did hurt these people. And she can't control her emotions, much less her magic. Mm
2: -hmm. She
1: she screams, which clearly that's what you do after you didn't hurt something. You scream and screech, I did not hurt them. She had in fact, and Harry basically kind of explains I know you didn't try, but you know, he kind of deduces probably that it's the drugs. And Molly says that, you know, she was pregnant. As soon as they found out she was pregnant, she did what she could to help the baby to help Rosie and she had tried it because Nelson was also an addict and he they would get high together. She tried it first on him and Harry again puts two and two together and realizes why it was such a violent spell on Nelson and a, you know, bad if successful spell on Rosie. And it's because boyfriend Nelson is also baby daddy, Nelson. In this case, for Rosie. And obviously, I don't know how most girlfriends get when they're... Boy, I've never been a girlfriend before, so I, don't, I, can't <laughs> lean on, I can't lean on my lived experiences on this one. But I would imagine you say no, 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 and you try to put a magic spell on them to destroy their faith. In my experience, that's how it's gone. Just because my magic has been less successful than Molly's does not mean she's <laughs> at any more fault. Well, but there have been some voodoo dolls, I tell you what. But yeah, they were basically getting high together, and at some point, his thing and her hoo ha also got high together. If you know what I mean, his pee pee and her hoo ha, if you will, to use the medical terminology here. Well, Once so we <laughs> have a medical terminology person on with the, on the show with us, list I, I do try to defer to your terminology. Once <laughs> you feel comfortable around here, and he explains that this thing's gonna go to trial in a best case. And she's like trial. What the fuck? And she says the thing that most of us say whenever they mention someone breaking the laws, capital T, capital L, is, well, I didn't know. And they say, I don't. we don't give a fuck. But you, yeah. you just had to, you had to know or not fuck up. And so he explains the process of, you know, bringing her in. And it's going to be a choice because even though it's his job as a warden, he's not going to take her in against her will. And she can choose to go in willingly or she can choose to try to give up her magic, choose her own way, but whatever it is, like they're going Consequ- to find you
0: consequences will be faced.
1: Yeah. Like they're going to find you and I'm not going to tell them. And she kind of deduces that him not telling them means that he'll get in trouble too. And he's willing to do that. He's also willing to take her in. If she goes willingly and risk his himself in that way, because he's, he can try to get her off on probation similarly to how he was on probation for the bulk of the first novel. The Doom of Gamacles could be conferred on her and him as her caretaker, and that's the best case scenario, and he's offering that. And so she thinks she wants to go in, but Harry needs her to have talked to her parents. And Harry wants to make sure, he tells her that there's a way that they can kind of figure out how far gone she is, and I love that he explains it, you know, but doesn't. He was like, do you know what a soul gaze is? She just gives us the kind of the vanilla version. You, you, you see each other, you get a sense of the person. It is true, it's just also obviously more deep than that. Um, and I have a fun little tiny short story I want to read in the analysis section on that uh, that I saw on Facebook this week uh, that was really cool. But they have a soul gaze. And as always, we get Harry's interpretation of it. And I love that he kind of looked into her eyes and looked in her eyes, looked in her eyes, he's like, What the fuck's going on? Before he realized that they were it had already started, right? I just thought that was mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Um, again, someone with his level of experience and intelligence and understanding, soul gazes still catch him off guard, too. Which is kind of a cool thing about that magic, right? Like, yeah. You never so know what you You Never know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's significant and different to an extent where like even wizards have no fucking clue like ooh what's this gonna be about you know yeah I think that's kind of fun. It's like sticking your hand in a grab bag, you know you got an idea <laughs> what's in there but who fucking knows. Maybe they, maybe there's a trick. And so they go through it and it's a really cool soul gaze where he basically sees three different versions of her kind of reflected in the window there. Um one is gaunt and on the street and troubled clearly um she's obviously i mean whether it's drugs or magic or just being under- you know malnourished there's problems with her um one was basically her as an adult uh as an adult i wish i wish we were all adults um <laughs> Her, her as an older woman surrounded with children and she's comfortably heavier. You know, she's older. A so she third... Kind
0: of, she kind of lived her, the life her mother wants her to have.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. The third one, she was scarred or branded. She was in a gray warden's cloak. I really always thought there were three in this section. I must have combined to them. You, You could have asked me with a gun to my head a, a week ago or a, two weeks ago, and I would have said there was three three reflections. There's a ton of them. <laughs> I thought there were three. This is what happens when you do. I'm telling you, I read it. he told this week only two and a half. I finished this section though three times. Amazing. This is bananas. But I knew the I got the gist. That scary, not scary. Living, live the dream. Suffering and scary. Basically. Yeah. Um, But it's all the possible futures where the things she can go through and the importance of that means she has possibilities, right? Like, again, I I got to the thesis of the whole tale (laughs) that she's not all the way gone, Mm -hmm. even though this has created some paths of darkness in her, certainly. Yeah,
2: that's a really good Um, point
1: And so as they step out of the soul gaze, she has the reaction that we see all the time where she basically sees the pain and the suffering that he's been through and how hard his life has been. You know, it's just a, my God, I I never knew, you know, it, it, it's actually a kind of a, a bit of a lesser reaction than we've seen from other people, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting from her looking at his soul, right? It just feels like, I almost expected her to have more of a reaction, right? Because everyone else has, and she's this kid who, but she's been through so much recently that, like,
0: I was going to say, recently she's just experienced so much. Exactly. That, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think that that's, it, that's exactly part it. of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: No, that was exactly that was exactly my note. Like, like a, a kid, but she's so grizzled right now and jaded. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, he, he basically says he'll risk it. He'll be her apprentice, but you have choices you can put your power aside like your mother. She didn't, you know, he doesn't say that, but yeah, you can, or we can go to the council and do what we can, you know, like hope that they let us go. Um, and She says, you know, should I, I should talk to my parents. And again, he's like, you, you could, you know, you're only 17. Maybe, maybe Harry let her at least chat it out. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this is her choice, right? This is, uh, yeah, this isn't uh-huh. her next couple of months. This is the entirety of her life ahead of her and you know, you can't let anyone else make this decision for you and i like the exchange because he doesn't lie to this kid right where she says do you really think i could could like join the dark side yeah there are plenty of things out there who would be happy to help you along which you know just giving it to her straight up which i like and you know she says that she doesn't want to be the bad guy and that'll matter to the council won't it and he said I can't
2: guarantee it.
1: Um (laughs) she wants to see if her mom will come is her parents can come with her to the hearing. Mm -hmm. And he says, No. Will you? Yes. And they can meet they can meet eyes now. Which again, we I talked in the past about how lonely the life of a wizard was because of that exact thing, right? You're not able to look anyone in the eyes and how powerful that is as a human being. But they can do that now, right? They've shared something. Mhm Both this experience and that soul gaze, so they can look each other in the eye, and you know, again, he's just there for her. he's going to support her. He says, "If you decide it's what you want, we'll sit down with your parents. They won't be thrilled with the idea, but they don't make the call on this. It has to be yours, or it won't mean anything and I really appreciate that where he you know
0: this is your choice. you have to choose the you know choose the way of the light, basically. You or yeah, I mean, it,
2: it's, you know it's all up, it's to, up you. to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Very much so, and that's you know very impactful because she's generally the whole conflict with her mother is about you know her mother wanting her to do what she thinks is right.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: And, in this case, Harry is letting her make the choice because he has to.
1: So. You know, Molly takes a moment to think. She draws in a deep, shaking breath and says, I want to go to the council. So Harry talks uh,
0: Molly into sticking around so that everybody can talk things out. He says, any sane man would have hopped a bus for Las Vegas or somewhere rather than wait around and tell Charity Carpenter he wanted to haul her first baby in front of a gang of powerful wizards for trial and possible execution. So, Harry gets some sleep on a cot that is much too short for him. And Mouse stands, stands guard right next to him. And uh, he wakes up with his hands still on Mouse's head. Mouse didn't go anywhere. He wanted to go back to sleep, but he knew he couldn't. So, he uh, gave himself a whore bath in the sink and heads down to Fort Hill's guest room. All the cots were empty. It's, except-
2: it's enclipsed
0: were empty except for the one Nathan slept in who was twitching randomly stirring his limbs and sweating nightmares he had, he was having nightmares and bad dreams Molly was passed out the black sleep of the truly exhausted charity sat in a chair beside the cot her head against the wall and she snored a little one of her hands rested on Molly's hair just this tableau of exhaustion in everybody and then you have Nelson with his torment in his sleep. And he said, I regarded them both in silence for a while. I thought about writing the whole thing off, conjuring up a wistful image of digging a hole, getting in, and then pulling the hole in after me. Hey, it worked for Bugs Bunny. I should have taken a left turn at Albuquerque, I sighed to Mouse. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I'm too stupid to be uninvolved. No sense in putting off the inevitable. So he goes over and wakes up Molly. And Cherry wakes, Charity wakes up too. And Molly sits up in bed and Charity asks if everyone is all right. Uh, as far as I know, where are the other kids? My mother took them home. Any word from Michael? She shook her head. We need to talk about something fairly important, please. And what is that? She asked. Worth waking up for. Maybe you could get up Save and.
1: Goddamn daughter. Like, you know, easy with a snark here, lady. Well, and then, you know, Molly
0: says, we do need to talk, Mama. And it that, that was the influential comment. She said, very well. So Harry finds some food and uh, they sit down to eat their breakfast. I laid it out for Charity just as I had for Molly. Black magic? Charity whispered when I had finished. She glanced at Molly, a faint frown troubling her features. I never thought it had gone that far. I know, Mama, Molly said quietly. Is what he says true? Molly nodded. Oh, baby. How could I have not seen this happening? Don't beat yourself up over it. At least not right now. It won't help anyone. Neither will this nonsense with the White Council. Of course she will not go. I don't think you get it. She's going. She can go voluntarily or she can go when the wardens find her, but she's going. You plan to inform them of what has happened then? No, but that kind of magic leaves leaves a mark. There are plenty of things in the never-never who can sense it. And in fact, they had already tipped off the count so there was black and magic afoot here. Even if I never say anything else about it, it's only a matter of time until the warden's and warden investigates. You don't know that for a fact. I kind of do. And this isn't just about accountability either. Things she's done have already left their mark on her. If she doesn't get support in those changes are going to snowball. You don't know that. I kind of do. Hell's bells, Charity. I'm trying to protect her by dragging her in front of a kangaroo court of egotistical, power-mongering tyrants so they can execute her. How is that protecting my child? If she goes involuntarily with me, I think I can get get her clemency until she has a chance to show them she is sincere about working with them. Think? No, that's not just good. That's not good enough. Charity, the only thing I am sure about is that if Molly doesn't come out and if one of the other egotistical, power-mongering tyrants find her, they're going to automatically declare her a warlock and execute her. To say nothing of what will happen to her if she's on her own. It's more than likely that she'll deserve it by then. That's not true. She's not going to become some sort of monster. She's not going to change. My God, Charity, I want to help her. That isn't why you're doing it. You're trying to do... You're trying to get her to go with you to save your own skin. You're afraid that if they find her, they will brand you a traitor for not bringing her in and execute you along with her. Mama, please tell me what Harry has done in the past two days to make you think that he is selfish. Or cowardly. Was it when he turned to face the ogre so that we could escape? Was it when he traded away the obligations to the si- silver lady owed him in order to rescue attempt the rescue? Young lady, that isn't... Or perhaps it was when you were unconscious and no one could have stopped him from simply taking me to turn over the council, and instead he stopped to give me a choice? You told me he's everything he's done since I was taken. Now he's offering to die for me, Mama. What more could you ask him?
1: I don't cry every time I read it. Apparently I cry every time you read it. God damn it. You're welcome. You're (laughs) welcome. So Charity,
0: her face turns red and she just gets really quiet and bows her head. Molly sits at her feet and hugs her mother's legs, and Charity hugs her back. And they rock kind of slowly back and forth, and Charity says,
1: Like sobbing.
0: Perhaps you're right. Sobbing! (laughs) I should not have accused you so, Mr. Dresden, but I will not allow her to go. I love you very much, Mama, but this isn't your choice. I'm the one responsible for what I did. I'll face the consequences of it. Charity turned her face away from Molly, a kind of terrible grief and fear making her look old for the first time in my memory. Molly, she whispered. Father Forthild had arrived at some point, and he said, "'Your daughter is in the right, Charity. She's an adult now in many ways. She's taken actions that demand that she accept the responsibility that accompany them. She is my child.' She was, if only for a time. Children are a precious gift— But they belong to no one but themselves. They're only lent us a little while. I think you should consider what has happened, Charity. Dresden is perhaps the only one who could have helped you and Molly. I think it no accident that he became involved in this situation. After all, he does work in mysterious ways. Harry promises he'll bring her back from the council safe and well. They'll have to kill me to stop me. I have your word on it. You do. She says to Forthill that she wishes Michael was there, and Forthill asks what would he say if he was. To have faith, to trust the wizard, that he is a good man. I think he would say that too. And she says there's nothing we can do. Molly's made her decision, and everything I've learned about the effects of black magic upon those who use it agrees with what Dresden has told you. Your daughter is in real danger, Charity. Can't the church? There aren't many of us still standing sentinel against the shadows. Of those who do, None of us have any real skill in magic. We could assist her in turning aside from her gifts, but given her age, it would in effect be nothing more than imprisonment. No offense, child, but with your temperament, without your full cooperation, it would only push you more quickly towards the darkness. And Charity thinks she should set it aside, and Molly says no. And she tells Molly, you know, Charity tells Molly she doesn't know what it could do to her. And then Molly says, do you remember the parable of the talents? You, don't you dare attempt to t- use scripture to justify this. And Harry's like, I have heard of this one. We you to us? So Father Forthill does. Three men were given money by their lord in the amount of 15, 10, and, and five silver talents. The man with 15 invested the money, worked hard, and returned 30 talents to his lord. The man with 10 did the same and returned 20 talents. The lord was most pleased, but the third man was lazy. He buried his five talents in the ground, and when he returned to them, returned them to the lord, expected to be rewarded for keeping them safe, his lord was angry. He had not given the lazy man money to be hidden away. He'd given it to him, the man, so that he could use it and make it, his lands better, stronger, more productive. The moral being that to wh- whom much is given, much is required. And Harry, of course, as Stanley did it better, or faster. in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. That is faster, I suppose though I'm skeptical on how it could be worked into a sermon. All right, that's where he's not Father Joe Mullen. Father Joe Mullen could work that into a sermon. I'm just saying. (laughs) And Harry says, my teacher told me something once, that the hardest lesson in life is learning when to do nothing, to learn to let go. And Molly tells her mother that she wants to make a difference, that she knows bad things exist, but she wants to help. And Charity says, of course you do. You're your father's child. How could you want anything else? Molly let out a choking little laugh and lean closer. Thank you. I will pray for you, Charity said quietly, looking up at me, and tried to smile. And for you, Harry.
2: Josh, where'd you go? I'm here. Okay.
1: I give you an end of uh, end of quote pause okay. for effect. Did you not feel affected? I did it. Did you not feel affected? Sorry. I was sitting here taking in the effect. Sheesh. Nobody appreciates production values anymore.
0: (laughs) Let's hop into analysis.
1: All right, we'll do some quick analysis here. I don't, as we're recording this, I'm not sure if I have any access to the uh, sound effects for this thing. So, It might be a sparsely edited Yuletide edition. But yeah, good stuff. What'd you think in general? Obviously it was cool.
0: Yeah. I really liked all the story elements that kind of came together and bringing characters back around that we haven't seen in a while. And um, all the little bits and bobs that really
1: ran throughout. I liked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a good chunk. It sets us up. There's really not a whole lot of the current story. Obviously, we're getting into, you know, what happens after we make this choice and move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main kind of the main plot of the novel as far not the main plot, but the main conflict, I'd say. Right. The main conflict was these phages and this attack. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the overarching kind of plot through line was about this black magic and Molly. Yes. Right. So it, seems, it sounds like we're going to bookend on these kind of situations with warlocks. Where um, what you think as kind of we got into the first chapter here, thirty seven? Any thoughts? Any notes? Any ideas on thirty seven specifically? Yeah, uh, as we kind of got started. I like the the descriptions of
0: all of the locations are very cinematic, like mm-hmm. we talked about and a million times over. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see like when they walked into the courtyard and just the the vastness, kind of superimposed with the bleakness uh-huh, uh-huh it's the winter's stronghold constant mention of the bones is crazy but also harry's ability to touch the bones and 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 feel the existence and the and the last moments of that troll or ogre where it was
1: yeah we we geek out kind of anytime we see new magic and we use oh, yeah. a lot of people here listening. i really get excited and you do for most of them as well oh yeah whenever there's a new spell that we see and this I feel like he's referenced something like this before, but never been able to do it. And I wonder if it's something about how much power there is in that place, right? We've seen maybe. him in the past, kind of at least our pod cannon um, version of Head Cannon, our oh. pod cannon in a couple of scenes and moments has been that we think he's pulling energy out of the atmosphere, right? Yeah. Uh, we saw that in the Luke Guru attack, a little bit maybe in the Pyro Fuego, yeah, Bianca's right like there's a couple moments where it just it feels like he's leveling up for the moment right he's just fucking yeah. in he's some excess drawing
0: power. in he's drawing in the power from the environment
1: yeah and i'm sorry I'm moving my mic around here so maybe some popping but i i think that might explain why he was able to get so deep into that you know that moment and that uh-huh. spell there that that might explain it um i'm not sure what else would but, um, there certainly are other other options, and I'm sure maybe I don't know if you have any, but certainly maybe one of our uh, our listeners will have an idea There really isn't that one is kind of a transitory. They're walking from the from the busted portcullis to the locked door kind of kind of thing, but we get the the sneak attack of the fetches from behind.
2: Mm-hmm. There's
1: way more than three of them, right? which' is just kind of funny yep. again, it's kind of an in between chapter, which is why in my my notes here, I didn't even notice the line I'd drawn because there isn't really a there. nothing's really happening right like, mm-hmm. like all the all the all the uh exciting stuff starts to get going in 42 which i also read but uh <laughs> because of that same reason i just tore right through the break because like you know it's all kind of building up to that scene in the garden slash prison
2: mm-hmm.
1: i referred to it as a garden a few times in a row because it is yeah um, and then later in that i think maybe lissy's chap i don't remember which chapter but they're both lissy's chapter they start to realize it's a prison
2: at yeah. that point
1: and it changes a little bit of everything there i see there's a statue of three or uh the three women that look like identical twins
2: mm-hmm.
1: you see that a lot in magic and magical you know, kind of witch stories about the mother maiden crone kind of the three yeah. aspects of the woman um of, of the femininity um but th- the three aspects presumably it's something of, along those lines although they're twins there's not really that's not really that but um you just just when you see three women together in, th- in this kind of scenario is what i think of but i guess that maybe doesn't fit um you know we know the ladies look similar but and mab and titania look similar yeah but i don't know really if there's anything in that certainly a couple of the other prisoners are interesting obviously molly and the fight with the scarecrow in my mind is like the least interesting thing happening in this garden and it's really fucking right. cool. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. <laughs> it's just so
1: clear. It's really cool. Harry does a Harry and in, in trying to shoot the bad guy, he shoots summer fire into the wellspring of winter. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Harry. Great job. Good work. Uh, um, yeah, you know. But I want to talk less about, you know, basically beating defeating the antagonist of this tale, um and more about the intrigue in that garden. Do you have thoughts or questions? The what? I'm sorry. The what uh, in the garden? The intrigue. The intrigue. The intrigue. Or the inmates.
0: Inmates. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's those are both the same thing. In this I, case. I do love how it was revealed, mm-hmm. bit by mm-hmm. bit, but also that Mab is in the prison too.
1: Yeah. I well, personally, I want to know what the cardinal did. Yeah. The bird. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's a frozen bird. His poor cardinal. Right? Um Yeah, Mab being there is interesting. Very. What do you you have thoughts on that at all? I don't know if she is spying on what Harry's doing,
0: like she knew something was going to come to pass. Mm -hmm. Or if she was attracted to the, the, the magic and just kind of willed herself there to keep an eye on, to see what was going on. But I feel like it's more the first because of the wink.
1: Yeah. Also, what was going on downstairs? Yeah. What happened to get to this point? There was a well. We know there was hellfire. There's a bunch of dead mm-hmm. defenders, and this is this is the escape that they were defending up to this place. Yes,
0: and the other thing I was thinking about, which we got gar- in regards to the hellfire, we did discuss about hellfire and winter could cause that that damage.
1: Well, Harry says specific. Oh, hellfire and winter. That's what we talked about. Harry's hellfire oh. wasn't strong enough. You know, because yeah. we had we had that conversation. Um, so someone, someone presumably with the power of winter, and the power of hellfire, might. That's kind of how I read that line. Yeah, no, it that makes sense. Mary couldn't do it, but what does that
0: make you think, Maeve? Oh, okay. I was thinking. I was trying to think of who would, who would in winter. It would have to be someone in winter. Yeah, who would be there doing this because obviously this is mutiny, some sort of mutiny. Okay. And so I don't know how Maeve would have gotten the Hellfire. But I feel like she would have connections. She's like a Whoa. mafia. She's a mafia boss. She has connections. She, she knows people. She knows people. I know a guy. But, yeah, that was that was kind of my
1: thought on that. No, I like it. That's interesting. That's an interesting take. I like it. Because Mab's up there. What's she doing up there? <laughs> yeah. Right? Is she Is fighting? she mad, Is she- though? That's the other thing
0: is mad, mab,
1: mad. Like they were thinking. How often, like, do, you, how, how often do you wink at people you're mad at? I guess that- Mad as in yeah. crazy. Oh, okay. Yeah. As in the hit show starring
0: Paul Reiser. Yes, exactly. Crazy town, not anger balls.
1: <laughs> mad about you is the reference there. Yes, I, I know. I got the right. <laughs> I know you knew. That was, you. you understood that reference. That was too. I can't imagine that was a big crossover hit in nor- northern europe
0: was it really how funny
1: no i'm saying i can't imagine it was oh you can't imagine it was yeah a of our listeners are uh, it was a very very niche reference to must cv must ctv exactly on mbc it's the second time we've referenced a specific block of television in the 90s like we are slaves. like how hard we try to think of you know we're slaves to the corporate messaging because <laughs> uh, we talk about TGIF on Friday Night Kids TV all the time, with Sabrina the Teenage Witch, at all. Um, what do you think? Of the conversation with Lloyd Slate and the description um, of the conversation with Lloyd Slate with uh, the Nalananchi. We'll get to Nalananchi in a in a second. But Lloyd Slate in particular. Any any thoughts? I think it's interesting that that's the it's
0: the Sisyphus kind of idea. Yeah, right, where he's pushing the rock up the hill and you know getting his eyes pecked by vultures and then falls down. And has to do it all again. It's the same kind of concept, only in a much more fucked up way. Because she's using relief, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. It's that using the positive
1: to torture him, which is so fucked up. But yeah, yeah, no, it's super fucked. I do love that he's living, which means yeah. Um, unless there's a way to rip the. I guess there maybe there is a way to take the mantle away, but presumably he's because. Uh Lily and Fix had mentioned that she hasn't chosen a new night. So Light Slate's still the winter night. <laughs> this yeah. is him doing his job right now. So um okay. Um yeah, his relief at like Harry coming, like, oh somebody's gonna fucking kill me. This is perfect. Was funny. Um, what about Leah? That combo with Leah was very interesting.
0: Yeah, so it looks like Leah's kind of cracked, but I think that crack mm-hmm. might be part of like a curse from Mab. It's interesting, though, because okay. she's usually so controlled and all of that. So it's very interesting.
1: Yeah. Why do you think it's a curse from Mab? Because Mab put her on punishment. Yeah. Mab's punishing her because she thought she
0: could rise above
1: her station. Yeah.
0: So I think she just cracked. Or she, mm-hmm. Mab mm-hmm. made her crack,
1: you know? Well, what about when she went from... Would you have any thoughts on her going from, no, you can't let me out, I haven't learned yet, to, what's me? Well, it was the two sides it was the
0: the two sides of the coin where it was the the real leah was like if i get out i can't fulfill my promise to your mother
2: but the so bad who was side, saying
0: release? the the bad side you know that that crazed
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: kind of side that's what i think so what do you think she did do you have any thoughts any guesses i don't know i don't talk about not understanding right because fairies by nature should be she should be just doing her job that's what fairies do yeah so leah definitely did something Uh um, or was thinking something or doing something or had something there's an attack on the front door mab is buying surveilling hiding visiting from afar some combination of those four right like or she maybe is the bad guy and got you know got into this prison and there's some, some power to that um these are kind of my thoughts as i went through this many many moons ago the fire in the wellspring obviously you know lily with her yeah i think that's fantastic it is a good move certainly as far as like you know a chess player but we've never seen her be a chess player before right and harry mentioned yeah. earlier in this novel supposed to be fucking difficult with fairies mm-hmm. but that wasn't like pulling teeth at all and so, we're being played. We, as the audience, right? We were not trained to think that Lily was capable of this at this point, which could yeah. be Harry's biases, obviously. But like, Lily pulled a fast one on us too, right? Which I think is is even cooler than them pulling a fast one on Harry alone. How about that retreat? That was kind of cool. Yeah, that was amazing.
0: I think it's hilarious how he got him in the danglies.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: That was spectacular. But no, I think it's fabulous. And it was where Harry had to do it without his magic. But that, that charity had the forethought to leave him iron. That was amazing. Yeah, throwing it down in front of him was
1: great. Oh, yeah. I loved seeing Thomas be able to, be able to physically carry it all, you know, and still kind yeah. of be a physical force there was really cool. But very, very fun to see them fight through it. The conversation where Lily, again, Lily also pulled on over Fix too, right? Fix was there in good faith, just yeah. trying to help his friend. Good old Fix. And so so she kind of used him in this case as well, which I don't think Fix realizes because his, you know, he's got dull eyes every time she walks around. Yeah. Um, she, every time she flips her hair. But still, it was interesting. Again, kind of subverts our understanding of a scene we just saw, <laughs> right? Like, really cool storytelling. Anything else on that chunk before we get to the, the St. Mary the Angels?
0: No, I I I enjoyed it immensely. I really did. I liked that whole where Fix was like, hey, what? The fuck? But that Lily was just she is very, very uh manipulative, but also she had forethought, you know, where she thought ahead. She knew that she also knew Harry well enough to know how he would react.
1: Exactly. She was like, no, like she but she knew, but she also wasn't worried. Like, yes. Kind of sucks. But is you know we get it. At this yeah, point, she's not. She's not Lily. That he only met her for like. Did he even? He actually never met her as a as a changeling. That's true. That's true. Or maybe maybe for like a second, he he saved her and she wasn't quite because she was the summer night
2: mm-hmm.
1: when she was in the statue. So, but yeah, so very very briefly did he meet her before she was. Full on Faye, so we don't really know her, but it's still very much a Faye thing to do. Yeah. So back at the at the hospital, at the church, basically at this point, it's all character. Any thoughts on that? Molly trying to sneak away, Murphy losing her job, etc. I mean, it's adding conflict.
0: You know, it's it's the Murphy losing her job is just an additional context of the precariousness of her involvement in this world
1: yeah just another sense? layer of separation between yeah how involved can these people get before it really hurts them yeah As a reminder be... to it's a reminder to harry about what these people have gone through right we saw it with kirby in the lat in the short story a couple weeks ago like people get hurt yeah and not yeah. not everybody's supernatural wolverine x-factor healing powers like harry yeah or they can just bounce back. And so in this case it's not a physical injury, but this is a serious wound to who she is.
0: Yes, because we talked so many times about how her it's a part of her identity. Her, yeah, her job is so much of her identity.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
0: And it just it is it's a bummer that this is what it's come to, you know? It's definitely a bummer. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> no, 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 I but hmm? Go ahead, go ahead. But I believe it is a perfect example of the precariousness of the situation for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then we get into the conversation with Molly, which is really what this novel has been building to and building to and building mm-hmm. to. Since you know, we took that left turn at at Dodge where you said it seemed to be as a, as a movie about black magic and the wardens, which mm-hmm. wasn't wrong. But then right. it took a turn into this Molly Spotter Con explanation point, exclamation point, exclamation point land. Yeah. But it still involves that turn, black magic. Oh, it does, abs- absolutely. The fear of the wardens. But since that turn, this has been what it's about. Right. So this is building up to this. And really it does include that. But I think you you kind of bookend it with the Wardens stuff. Mm-hmm. You if you say you start this novel at Molly, oh. having Harry Barrel out, this yeah. is like the conclusion of that story, right? No, it's not the conclusion of the tale here. Um, but it just it feels like an end to that Does that make sense at least that thought process that I'm having I'm there? Loving, I don't know who yeah. Knows. <laughs> but what I mean is just that it's the end of a a, a section of this um book. Yeah. It's the end of that part of it. It includes the part with charity, it concludes the part with the black magic and the the heroin addicts and stuff. Um and it's a really good it's interesting though because
0: throughout there's all of these elements of marring where the boy at the beginning he was marred by black magic rosie and nelson are marred by their drug addiction further marred by her black magic molly is marred by her black magic and we know that Harry is also marred in some way by magic and the black magic that he uses. He talks about taking the shower to rinse off the stains that he had encountered. So There's a lot of that. Everybody else ha- is marred and stained. And Harry has to remove that to be at his most powerful, mm-hmm. most useful. So it's an interesting kind of story element, I think, in regards to that black magic and how, you know, we did talk how about it you know, you. how it mars you and how it's kind of, it starts at the worst, that the worst. What's it's the what's the worst that could happen? It, this novel starts at what's the worst that could happen.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Absolutely. But yeah, I like that thought. Um The conversation and the soul gaze. I like how mm-hmm. like her, I didn't hurt them. You know, um, like she is out of control, like she is a risk.
0: But that's also of... a very teenage girl response. Sure, that's fair. That was just a thought where it's it is very much a teenage girl response.
1: But it's also just, yeah, but it's someone who doesn't understand the world she's living in yet. Oh, 100 percent. Which I think is why. <laughs> but why she's you're also po- a right. teenage girl. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I mean, right? Like she. But in both cases, she doesn't understand the world she and her she and her mom are living in she also doesn't understand the world that she her mom and now and the Harry's of the world right like yeah she's struggling with it she's struggling with the base issues that a teenage girl will struggle with or teenage mm-hmm. human and she's yeah, also Daddy struggling with compounding it yeah and so it's just like doubly impacted she's struggling for her, with it at all oh, absolutely <laughs> it sucks and so that's kind of how she's reacting it's just kind of lashing out at anyone who will With an earshot, you know, like, this fucking sucks. I don't want to do it. Definitely. The soul gaze, I I swear to God, this was always, I've read this a million times. I've read it three times this week. And my brain processed that as, like, three possible futures. And he's describing different things about them, not five, six. I don't even know. I'm, like, I'm beginning to think that I have, I I always, you know, when they do standardized testing in school, Uh you get, like, different, like, math, science, social studies, whatever all these three you know all these thoughts reading comprehension. i was like i wasn't like you know getting tested for genius school or anything like that but i was like pretty smart in grade school don't get me wrong in grade school <laughs> um, and like you guys can tell my like yeah you're right you know he does actually have a pretty good grade school level brain <laughs> that's actually a lot of the feedback we get like you're such a good sixth grader Joshi. Um, <laughs> no but like i would get 99 99 Ninety nine, sixty four in like reading comprehension. Like I just like I can't. Really? It's it, it's it's an undiagnosed ADD thing. Like I can't turn thoughts and words into thoughts all that good, mm-hmm. like normal boys and girls. But mm-hmm. I like I'm a I'm a pretty clever guy. <laughs> like I'm not like a yes, dumb. You are. Um. But it really is reading and com like. Either way. Um. Well, there you go. There's my issue with that. <laughs> but I've always thought of it as like three kind of mirrors on the ceiling she's like like a prism she's like mm-hmm. like you know she's reflecting onto these different mirrors yeah um, and each one is her and like if she move, her body human molly moves the three or 700 portraits move you know in the same way like they're all her they're all actual reflections of her in my brain the way he's okay. doing this yeah that's um, what i was thinking that they're just kind of yeah. versions of her and She's all she's looking in a bunch of mirrors, like you know, like a fun house kind of thing. And yeah, in each mirror is a different version of her. Yeah, kind of thing. Uh, you know, that's just my thought of the way no, I, I visualize like that. It. In mine, it's only three, which is also going to be cheaper to produce Spielberg. Um, <laughs> but like they're all her, and none of them are her, right? It's just kind of like yeah. this is the dark path, this is kind of the put away your magic path, and this is potential. You know, there's a warden maybe she maybe she took it off a corpse like bob thought um <laughs> i love that i, I mean, love you know, that so much her, her raising a family her as a bad guy her as you know an a street urchin you know um yeah street rat i don't buy, buy that, that. <laughs> <laughs> don't come after us disney <laughs> yeah she, i mean she that mouse, that mouse will get you but. She mm-hmm. does seem like um, yeah, you know, like who knows what she's got on underneath, but and then we'd see a very much, very clearly a dark side version of her, most definitely, um, but I like all those versions, all those descriptions, her you know, kind of like as this rag lady, you know, her as this evil force all the um, all the, ca- all m- the characters,
0: murdering bad guys, all the characters, yeah, you know her, Mary poppins,
1: sure, right, um. <laughs> I don't understand that reference, but I, I know Mary Poppins, so I can. Well, just... the street
0: rat, the magic, the lovely, magical lady, uh, the smart, tough mom. And then, you know, just the different, <laughs> different levels of magic in that story. I believe you.
1: That's where I'm going with that. I believe you. I just still don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go. I don't know. I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, like, you know, when she goes back and, and talks to her mom, I, you know, I, I mean, I mentioned this, that, like, I cry every time. every time like literally i cried today when i was prepping you know touching up my notes and then when lissy read it again on on here i cried again um sobbing into the microphone i um (laughs) it's just again this is james marster's fault because every time i read it now it's like his voice lissy yours is very good too don't get me wrong um (laughs) but like just that like that mama is just intense um and like you know like all the things he's done for us like how dare you mama like what point what 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 part of that made you think he was a coward like is it was just he,
2: her like, he she and... got
0: she got her hackles up you know and her and oh, i just I, think I he, I in the moment she was just I don't hold a that against charity hot
1: mess yeah no i don't hold that against charity at which all. time going through i totally did not gonna lie um Honestly, I used to, but I don't now because of our talks about her and how much we, how much better we understand Cherry now than I used to. You're welcome. But this this podcast is making me a marshmallow. <laughs> making you? That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, I need to wrap this up. Um. She makes the right decision, obviously, mm-hmm. decides to go um, a second time. I like Fort Hill using scripture on her.
0: It's yes. Funny. Well, Molly used it first.
1: Mm, yeah. But <laughs> and Harry, like, ooh, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> He's read that goddamn thing cover to cover. He's just antagonizing. Stirring the That's pot. That's probably the pot. part of it. And then, yeah, I mean, like them deciding to, to to go is is great and powerful any other thoughts there on on that last chapter we did um actually yes.
0: so right. earlier i think it's interesting because earlier in this book i was referring to molly as charity's child mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting that charity says you are your father's daughter yep 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 i just thought that was really fascinating and it's kind I of i thought she- that when i read it yeah that, i wrote that up mm-hmm. i think it's interesting that she is a little bit of both of course, because she yeah. has, she has the, the strength and the magic of her mother, but she has the willingness to use that to help of her father, which I really like mm-hmm. that. The other thing is, um, I guess it's more of an overreaching than a specific chapter, but in this book, we've learned that fear equals power, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. lack of fear also equaled power.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Which is really because the presence or lack of something is that's interesting that they're both powerful when wielded the correct way. And so I kind of like Molly, Molly used fear as power. So it's kind of it makes me wonder where she's going to go with this. She understands the use of fear as power, but she also understands the magic and power of faith. So I just think that's an interesting, it was just an observation I made um, about those types of power. Because we're constantly learning about different kinds of power. You know, the power of a mother's love, the power of faith, and now we learn of the power of fear. So it's it's just different kinds of magic that we're learning about. The other thing I was thinking about regarding the power of fear was Matt, uh when Molly first used her power she used it because she was afraid of her mother <laughs> of her mother exactly of her mother but like i just thought that was an interesting kind of circle where using the power of fear worked for her and it also is how she ended up getting into this mess
1: so it's just observations yeah and at the end there i like where she charity finally calls him Harry. I love that as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, anything else there, or we move into
0: the last couple of minutes here? Those are the big what, ones that I had going yeah. for me. What, what did you have?
1: Uh, what did you have for yikes? Um, I didn't really have any yikes. Yeah, I didn't catch any either. Certainly. But Um, yeah, I, I, there wasn't a whole lot. Again, when you, when you get the big action sequences, yikes usually don't pop out. But it would certainly yeah. be bad if they did yeah um in that case then you got a couple quotes a week for us of
0: course yes i do i'm chapter
1: 37 it's from last
0: year for a couple of years now damned if i was going to give a bunch of murderous fairy monsters a chance to paw through my emotions um (laughs) and this one you read but i still loved it i wasn't absolutely certain the thing was quoting shakespeare but that didn't mean i couldn't do it bloody constraint i told him (laughs) for you from um
1: sorry finish the quote and then tell me
0: or if you should you for should (laughs) uh for should you try to hide the girl from me even in your heart there shall i rake for
1: her i see it's one of those quotes that like you just know like i've heard it i know it i just don't actually know uh what it's from henry the fifth fifth. there you go Uh, yep so oh that was good is that you have any more that was oh of course i have more i know you are you gonna read any more uh
0: the black ice of the parapet hardened once more in a moment, as though it had never thawed, and I pulled Charity carefully away from the involuntary education in skydiving. <laughs> and it. the last one, hey, I don't care what kind of fairy or mortal or hideous creature you are. If you've got danglies and can lose them, that's the kind of sight that makes you reconsider the possible genitalia-related ramifications of your actions real damned quick.
2: <laughs>
1: Very much so. I don't know how this note is it's like after my third quote here uh-huh in between my third and fourth quote here where I asked about fencing earlier chunk um <laughs> earlier in this novel harry brings up that he thinks boyfriend nelson could have been a fencer right and i was like oh why the fuck yeah he, did that? he brings up that he was he did some he, fencing that's why which is funny i still don't understand why or how harry would have found fencing Maybe it's something
0: Ebenezer did for him or Justin Maybe. had him learn to,
1: you know, Justin learn to would fight. A, Justin, Justin wouldn't do fence. Justin I mean. would do like mur- murder each other. But <laughs> I, I just like that that full, closes the loop on that. Um, I just put it in between quotes for some reason. The nice. wrong place in my notes. Sorry. Um, and then I got a couple here if you, unless you have one more banger. No, that's it. I liked again, you read this one, but something's coming. Something usually is. (laughs) Just like that one a lot. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be a bad guy. No one wants it. Most of the bad guys in the real world don't know that they are bad guys. You don't get a flashing warning sign that you're about to damn yourself. It sneaks up on you when you aren't looking. This conversation with Molly. And then, poor kid. She looks so damn young. I was fairly sure I had never been that young. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: uh, i feel that a lot absolutely every goddamn day of my life um i need mean, i know what could rejuvenate me you gotta get us a crackpot theory of the week. Right.
0: uh so i i mean i don't know how crackpot he is i talked about it earlier where that i think may have actually led that uh charge into okay. to Arctis tour and I still have a feeling that the fairies aren't going to let Molly go. I feel like she's going to get drafted into Fairyland one way or another. Hopefully, voluntarily. But I just feel like she's she's not meant to go the way of of Harry and become a warden and all of that. She's just too volatile and just I just don't. I I want more. I want more adventure for her. I guess. Well, not if you were, were actually a seventeen year old girl, but in this story.
1: Yeah, I mean, but you see, like the different versions of molly one of them is kind of her mom one of them is kind of hairy you know there's there's different versions up there and it's interesting yeah Uh, very interesting so yeah no i like all those and i think that brings us just about to the tail end here Mm -hmm. i like this chunk a lot and like i said it's just kind of an actiony thing but the stuff i like the most are not the action sequences right like the I love that conversation with Molly out in front of the I church. I love that so much. And every single second of Garden, we get that isn't, you know, interrupted by the damn Scarecrow. Like, I don't care about the Scarecrow <laughs> at this point. Like, go away. Go away. You're the least interesting thing up here. That's spectacular. This thousands of year old fairy villain of the piece I could not care less about when we get to the actual confrontation with him. Like, can we stop? Like, Jim, Jim, get rid of this guy. Just shoot him off the edge or something, right? And then Harry dispatches him relatively, with relative ease, which I love, at, at the end. It's a big fight, big to do before that. Um, it's kind of like how you wa- I'm watching a lot of wrestling videos the last few nights is because I can't sleep. I can't sleep ever. But somehow I got into the YouTube, I, mean, I mentioned Ken Shamrock earlier, but like, <laughs> you, you always wonder when you're watching, like, why don't you just do your finishing move now? you know but you gotta like you gotta soften them up a little bit get them ready for it so exactly. harry's finisher just deleted him but he said they had to have the fight first to soften them up you know exactly <laughs> unless it's just a monday night show and it's not get you know it's a promo for the big for the big fight this weekend it, right In which case exactly. you, you can just do your finisher knock them out and then you walk off to your music and they're out like a light <laughs> until the commercial break so um, but yeah i really enjoyed it um you know This editing today is going to be so herky-jerky. You'll probably notice it. You'll hear a lot of the things, some of the inside baseball chat we have here. Probably I'll try to delete as much as I can with the rudimentary tools at my disposal. But it is the holiday. Like I said, I am home for the holidays. I'll be
2: home
1: for Christmas. I did it. Um, Lissy better make it as well. Right now, she's still in the frozen wilderness. But... (laughs) It was very waterlogged this weekend. Planes, trains, automobiles. Listen, You get here. Oh, I And beyond that, life is good. I want to wish you guys the happiest of holidays, the merriest of Christmases, the absolute finest of Sundays, depending on what you think about it. <laughs> and moving forward, I'm gonna, we may try to squeeze something out next week. Realistically, it's more travel. It's more rudimentary tools, and it's more holiday with the family. So I'm not going to promise anything next week. Uh, you know, we might get. Something out at the very least, maybe some torturous emails with Liz, or text messages of my sister um, <laughs> as she gets through that the last couple chapters there. But certainly not going to promise anything except my gratitude and appreciation and love, because um what a long, strange trip that's it's been this year,
0: Liz. Most definitely, I can't believe this year's gone by so fast. Holy snikes
1: flying, flying by. So truly, on that note, I also don't know if I'm going to be able to get. Gosh dang podcast music um in here um as we go but I'll try just, to add do, that. Do, 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 do it <laughs> podcast music you may notice we do podcast music all the time anyway in the background um <laughs> we do, for do our do own that. safety but I really do appreciate you guys we are at uh, the podcast was on fire at gmail.com oh, there was one thing I wanted to read actually really quickly here hmm. that one of I wasn't actually from one of our listeners I was puts around on one of the Dresden Facebook pages and oh. I just saw a really cool account because we had talked so much about the different, how people react to his soul gaze. And we saw Molly do it here. And it was, okay. I do it on Facebook, Joe Um, They said, not a, not a listener. I really, I saw him post it and I just sent him a quick message. Like, Hey, do you mind if I read this to our podcast readers? And he, he just liked it. It's It's real short, but it's really just a really interesting take. And it's, we kind of know what we're going to see. But it's interesting take of someone having a soul gaze with Harry because Harry doesn't know, but I just love this reaction and maybe Lissy will text me as I'm going through this, that, (laughs) but I got the microphone here. I got, I got the conch shell um, and I really liked it. So I looked in Dresden's eyes a bit too long and I suddenly understood why he never met anyone's gaze. I sort of fell into his dark eyes as the soul gaze began. I guess it's true what they say about the eyes being the windows to the soul, because once it happened, I saw Dresden as he really was. I saw a man whose determination was as persistent as an ocean, trying to grind down a mountain, whose temper is as serene as a dormant volcano, but no less dangerous. A man whose willingness to do what is right, and the lengths he would go to do it, was as sprawling as a great desert. But with all that, I also saw a man who felt alone, "'and was terrified that no one would ever love him. "'As I was getting pulled back out of the gaze, "'I saw one last thing, "'and it shook me to the core and terrified me. "'What I saw, I only had a glimpse of, "'but I nonetheless got the full picture. "'I saw Dresden, not exactly him, "'but all the same, he was bound in heavy chains "'weighed down by great boulders. "'His face, though, Jesus Christ, "'his face had a manic grin.' And his eyes were not Dresden's eyes, but this creature's eyes were dark, icy pits with none of the warmth and with all the insanity and malice of a dark lord. The gaze ended, and I found myself on my ass looking up at the wizard. His face was twisted into an expression of pure terror, and my whole body shook. But Harry Dresden only gave me a warm smile and offered his hand to me as I slowly got myself under control. I just thought that was so fucking good. I literally texted like, "Hey, this is sort of monetized. I have a couple of people who pay me, so I don't want to use this without your 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 consent." Um, that's fucking great, was it? Amazing, but I it also it.
0: makes me think of the dead eyes of mm-hmm. Leah.
1: Yeah, like there's something in there that that you just can't trust or believe. That or dark accept. side, yeah, that dark side yeah. came in, and very, very, very cool stuff. So uh, I just very again, well written too. Yeah, Joe Joe uh Joe you're awesome. Pogjanovic. Um very cool. Uh, appreciate ya, I appreciate you and appreciate you letting us uh, use it. I also told him about the pod so hopefully he gets here, you know, in 17 years when someone has time to listen to all this. <laughs> but super cool. I just uh, honestly I loved it and uh, I just stumbled upon it. It was in the comment section of a post on a Dresden Files page that I follow. It's, I don't remember so which good. one. Really really cool. Really delighted that I found that. And especially because we talked last week and this about how a soul gaze affects him. A soul gaze with Harry affects you. Um, yeah. But yeah. Last thing we are uh, podcasts on fire at gmail.com. The podcast was on fire at gmail.com. The podcast was on fire at all the things and patreon.com slash the podcast is on fire guys. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Uh We've started to get a, a couple people signing up over there as free memberships as well. You get nothing for that. Um, except access to any news or I'll do a couple posts once in a while over there as we get through here. If I if I am or I'm not going to post something for Christmas, I'll, I'll definitely let you know one way or the other right now. Right now, assume we are not, but the podcast is on fire slash, sorry, patreon.com slash the podcast is on fire. Patreon.com slash the podcast was on fire. Get on that, guys, have a very merry holiday. I have a Josh and up and Alyssa podcast was on fire. It wasn't my fault.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Josh. And I am Alyssa.
1: We are back with a brand-spanking new episode of... The podcast was on fire. And it wasn't my fault. So during that break, I went downstairs, I had to find some, I need some caffeine, so I didn't pass out. Uh-huh. And Erin couldn't get the Netflix to work as she needs to hear Netflix password for some reason. Um, But I was, so I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it on my phone. As I was, I was plugging in, I was, like, I was walking upstairs, I was like, um, she wanted to watch uh, uh, Tom Segura, it's like stand-up comedian, it's uh-huh. special. And I was like, I said, yeah. It says maybe not sure it's kid friendly. It took a couple steps. So I was like, I, said, I'm not, I know it's not kid friendly. Um, <laughs> and then she's like, Oh, that's okay. They're going. You no, know, they're gonna shower and go to bed. And then Everett pokes his head out of the room upstairs and says, "What's well, not kid friendly?" I was like, <laughs> The comedy special your mom's watching downstairs. Go watch it. <laughs> and then I ducked into the room. <laughs> oh, we're getting some good unclinging oh, so far goodness. this trip. Heck yeah. Oh goodness gracious.